episode number 14. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from Authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. In this week's podcast, we're going to have a great story about Rav Noam Elimelech and his brother. Portion of the week is going to be Bahar. How to get close to God. The parable is going to be a midrash, a gift from the king, and peace in your home is going to speak about love your neighbor as yourself. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. We'll start with the story of Noam Elimelech. It happened to be that Rav Elimelech and his brother Zisha were wandering as disguised beggars across the country, and they stayed at this inn. At the inn, there was a wedding celebration. So the two poor brothers were part of the group of beggars that used to come to the weddings, and it was a custom to give the poor people food at the weddings. It happened to be, though, at this wedding, it was a rough bunch of guys. So what used to happen, they would get drunk, and as to dance around in the circle, every once in a while, they would grab a poor person and give him a couple punches. It happened to be that Rev Zisha was sitting nearest to the crowd. So normally Melech said to him, listen, why are you sitting so close? Let's switch seats because what's happening, you keep getting beat up. They keep grabbing you. You sit in the back for a while. I'll sit over here. So as they were dancing around, they were about to grab another poor person. I gave him a couple of slaps. What happened was they started to grab Rev Noam Elimelech. And then one of the drunk guys says, hey, this is not fair. We keep beating up the same guy. Let's grab somebody else. So they went to the back of the room and they grabbed Rev Zisha, thinking that he hadn't been beaten yet. So Rav Noam Elimelech said to his brother, you see, wherever a person is supposed to be struck, he'll be struck. It doesn't matter where he sits. They seek him out and they deal him his due portion. In other words, you can't escape the decree of God. Wherever you're going to be, that's where you're going to get what you need and what you deserve. This week's Torah portion is Bahar, Bahar Sinai. The verse states like this, Hashem spoke to Moses on the Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall observe a Sabbath rest for Hashem. It's talking about the mitzvah of Shemitah, the mitzvah to rest the entire land of Israel for one year. The verse continues, it says, For six years you may sow your field, and for six years you may prune your vineyard, and you may gather in its crop. But in the seventh year, a complete rest there shall be for the land, a Sabbath for Hashem, Shabbat le Hashem. Your field you shall not sow, and your vineyard you shall not prune. The aftergrowth of your harvest you shall not reap, and the grapes that you are keeping away you shall not pick. It shall be a year of rest for the land. So this is the mitzvah of Shavuos. We know that the Minchas Chinech says this is one of the hardest mitzvahs in the Torah. So the question that Rashi has is what's the connection between Har Sinai, the verse starts out by saying that Hashem spoke to Moshe at Har Sinai, and then it goes on to speak about the mitzvah of Shvius. So Rashi says, what's the matter of Shemitah doing next to the Har Sinai? Were not all the commandments stated at Sinai? Everything was stated at Sinai, so why specifically this? So he brings the Torah's Kahanim, it's like this. Just as with Shemitah, its general rules and its details and fine points were stated at Sinai, so to all of the commandments. Their general rules and their fine points were stated, at, were stated at Sinai. In other words, all the details of all the mitzvahs were stated at Sinai. So the Mashkiach, Rav Yerucham Amir, 
wants to explain, he brings the Ravid, the Sefer of the Ravid, Bawi Nefesh, and explains the deeper connection between Shemitah and all of the other mitzvahs. He says, the general rule like this, this is a big yisod, a big foundation. Rove mitzvahs, most of the mitzvahs, are there to teach man that there is a God above, there's someone ruling. The man adam ki yesh that man should know that God is ruling over the world. Now listen to this. We know that after God created the world, he gave it to man. And most of man's days, he's dreaming that the land belongs to him, that he is the owner of the land. And there's nobody else really around. And he forgets about God Baklau. We think we're here. God gave it to us. God gave us the whole world. We have the entire world for us. Where's God? not around. So who's the owner of the land? We are. And therefore, the Torah connects many, many mitzvahs with the land and with our mundane life in order to remind us that there is a creator and we're just renters here. And therefore, he makes many laws connected to all the common things that we do in life. For example, he says, a man wants to live with his wife, but he has to be careful for Nita. Homosexual written about the menstruation of a woman. And the law is connected with a man and a woman being together. And he says, for every gift that God gives us, he gives us a law along with the gift. He gives us a field, and he gives us laws about plowing, about seeding, about collecting the grains. For example, on Shabbos you can't do those things, and Shemitah you can't do those things. You're not allowed to mix grains together. You can't climb, you can't uh, plant uh, wheat and grapes, for example, in the same field. You have to have paya. You have to leave off the corner of your field for the poor people. Lekak, the same story. You have the omer to bring a sacrifice for new wheat. Truma. You have to give a certain percentages of meisers and trumas of everything that you get from the field. There are so many mitzvahs connected up with the fields and with the food. In the process of making dough, you have to give chala. You have to take a certain percent off. When you eat the food, you have to say blessings before and after. How many different mitzvahs are connected up with the gifts that we receive from the land and the food we receive? And this is all to remind us where it's coming from, that man should understand his place in the world. Also, when it comes to clothes, he can't wear shotness, which is a type of a climb of semer of a pishtim, wool, and linen together you're not allowed to wear. And if you have a baggage of a, a garment of four quarters, you have to put sitsits on it. And even when it comes to your animals, you can't plow together with a, a smaller animal and a big animal, a donkey and a shore, for example. You have to do a petachamor, you have to give the firstborn of the donkey, you have to podeh baseh. Bachor, the first uh, animal you have to give to the temple. How many mitzvahs? And the fruits of the field, you have orla, revia. It's unbelievable. And even on your own body, you have a mitzvah. He says, you have to do bris milah. I mean, has to do bris milah. And all these different malachas, all of them on Shabbos and Shemitah, most of them you can't do. And all these different things that we do, the work that we do, we can't do it on Shabbos. And we can't do it on Yom Tov. And when it comes to the field of Shemitah, we can't touch the land. What's going on here? It sounds like a crazy religion. What kind of religion is this? The answer, it's all there to remind us. That you shouldn't think that the land and your life and everything you have belongs to you, because it doesn't. And that's why God gives us Shabbos. 
Ki l'ashem ha'aretz, v'atem rakschirim yom atem. The land belongs to God. You guys are just renter. You don't have, you can't do this seven days of the week. You can only do it six days of the week. You can take care of your field, but on the seventh day, you can't. Because there is a master of the universe who runs the world. This is an amazing foundation in the depths of Judaism. And we're not hearing it from a small rabbi. We're hearing it from a big rabbi, the Ravid, commentator on the Rambam. And he's telling us, that most of the mitzvahs are there to remind us who the master of the universe is. And after we hear that, Judaism makes sense. It's not a crazy religion. We're the crazy people. Okay, God set it up like that. He gave us a world. But we're here to become conscious. And he says we shouldn't think that it's our power and our strength and our acts that are getting everything done. You can stop working one day a week and nothing's going to happen. It's just the opposite. That's where all the blessing, Makor Bracha, Shabbos itself, is the source of blessing because we stop and recognize where the blessings are coming from. Where are all these gifts that we have? Where are they coming from? And we can even stop working, and this week's Parsha says we can stop working for an entire year. We leave the land to follow. We leave it there. We don't work the land. God says, don't worry. The blessing will come. I'm the owner of the field, not you. You're just the worker. And this is the work that we have to do on Shabbos and on Shemitah to disconnect ourselves and realize who the real owner is. But not only that, this is the foundation of holiness. The separation that we do, the space we create between us and the world is the space where holiness comes in. If your consciousness is limited to this world, you won't have any holiness. You have to step out of this world to start to gain holiness. And the Shemesh Mu explains like this, Who could bring forth purity from impurity? It's a Midrash. For example, Avraham came from Tarach. Avraham, our father, came from a bad father. Chaskiyah came from Achaz. Yishiyah came from Ammon. Mordechai came from Shimi. And Alam Abba comes from Alam Azeh. The next world comes out of this world. This world, by definition, is impure. It's more physical. The next world is spiritual. Where does the spiritual world come out from? From the physical world. And how does it come out? By separating ourselves from the physical world, we start to build the spiritual world. He says like this, The more one flees from superficiality, the greater one connects to truth and spiritual reality. He brings a riot from Moshe Rabbeinu. The Pasuk said to my Moshe, And Moshe fled from Pharaoh, and he dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat by a well. What does he want to say? It's a little bit of a drush, but he says, Moshe fled from the forces of evil, represented by power, and immediately he found a source of spiritual inspiration, symbolized by a well. And this is Shabbos, and this is Shemitah. This is letting go of this world. But the contradiction is that it doesn't mean that it's not pleasurable. Say, listen, Rabbi, I don't want to be celibate. I don't want to separate myself from the world. I don't want to live in a cave. No, that's not Judaism at all. You're married, you have kids. And listen to this. Shabbos. What's Shabbos? Food, basar, vayayin, meat, and wine. You got to hear this. Rashi says like this. There's a Rashi in Gemara Beitz, 16a, that says like this, that is explaining what the Yeshama Yitzer is. We know that on Shabbos, we receive an extra level of our soul. We connect with a deeper level of our soul. You won't believe what Rashi says, how he explains the Neshama Yasera. He says, It's an expanded heart regarding rest and joy. 
and the quality of being open wide. Now listen to this. That such a person may eat and drink without repulsion. Do you believe this? He says the soul, the extra soul that we get is that we can eat more. We won't be repulsed by the food. So what's going on? You just told me that Shabbos is separating yourself and Shemitah means to separate yourself. And the more you separate yourself from the physical, the more spiritual you're going to be. And then Shabbos comes out to be that you're going to have an extra soul in order to be able to eat and drink more. So I want to explain. We have Shimshon David Pinchas, Allah Shalom, says like this. He says when he used to speak in public in front of people, you know, if he speaks on Shalom Bayez and that what's called Bain, there's two sets of mitzvahs. There's mitzvahs Bain Adam Chavero, and there's mitzvahs Bain Adam Lamakom. That means between a man and his friend Chavero, or between man and God. Two sets of mitzvahs. So he, when he would speak in public about mitzvahs between man and man, or man and his wife, so everybody would be into it, they'd be asking questions, the audience would look happy. But as soon as he starts to speak about mitzvahs that are between man and God, all of a sudden the audience would turn off. It's not for us, they said. What do you think, we grew up in Meir Sharim? So what's going on there? So we know that men can understand relation, human relationships to be a nice person. But when it comes to God, somehow they draw a blank. But you got to hear this, look what he says. He says, we know there's a famous Chazal, a non-Jew came to the great Hillel and asked him he taught the whole Torah while standing on one foot. So Hillel answered him, Don't do to your friend what you dislike. This is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Go learn it. So how does Rashi explain the Gemara in Shabbos over there? What does it mean, don't do what your friend dislikes? He says, who's your friend? He brings a Pasuk from Mishlei. He who is your friend and your father's friend, do not abandon. It means Hashem. The whole Torah means don't go against the words of God. We know that even though Ben Adam Lechavero, between a man and his friend, it's also to do with the commandments of God. For example, it says in the Rambam, when he explains the seven seven mitzvahs of B'nai Noach, the seven mitzvahs of Noach, it says if that person does it just because he thinks it's a good thing, it means nothing. Everything we have to do is for God. In our generation, somehow when it comes to the word God, nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody has a relationship with God. They don't want to hear, but they shut down. So how do we break through and create this relationship? So Chazal tells us the essential mitzvah that's going to create the connection to God is Shabbos. We know Shemitah also. We can have the Shabbos, the resting in the land, the resting in the soul, the resting of the person. This rest, it's not a physical rest. It's a disconnecting from the physical reality. Because Shabbos is the Makor HaBracha, the source of all blessings. Not only that, we know that someone can eat treif, can eat pig. He's still considered Jewish. But if someone doesn't keep Shabbos, he's considered like a non-Jew. He has halacha, he has a din. The law by him is that he's not Jewish. He can always do tshuva, of course, he can return. But in the meantime, if he doesn't keep Shabbos, he has a law of a non-Jew. And on Shabbos is a time where you can create a closest to God that doesn't exist any other day of the week. And that's why you have to be close to God on Shabbos. Like I said in last week's podcast, you have to dress differently. You have to speak differently. So getting back to my question, what does it have to do with this extra soul that we have to eat and drink more? That's going to bring us closer to God? You just told me I have to separate from the physical reality. The answer is it's a two-edged sword. Eating and drinking on Shabbos gives us the pleasure of connecting with God as long as 
we're in the perspective that everything that we have is a gift. In other words, by stepping out of ourselves, by raising our consciousness to be outside the physical world and looking towards eternity and feeling our souls, which are disconnected from everything here, the process of eating and drinking is going to be holy. This is what's going on in the temple. The Kohanim were bringing sacrifices, eating meat, and drinking wine. Talk about a crazy religion. <laughs> and this is because man is physical. And the pleasure that he gets in his physical body, he has to use it to uplift him, to connect him with God in a deeper way. When a man eats, he takes the energy out of the food and he starts to feel vitality in his physical being which that vitality really, in essence, is coming directly from God. All the gifts that we have, everything we have, is coming from God. It's there to give us pleasure as long as we understand that it's a gift. And therefore, Jews on Shabbos eat in holiness. They drink in holiness. And that's our job to uplift ourselves, to have another level of consciousness. With the awareness that everything is a gift, we say a blessing before, we're saying a blessing after. We separate maestres, we take, we give tzedakah. All these mitzvahs that are connected with the physical world are there to give us the consciousness of the beautiful gifts that God has given us. And this also applies to Shemitah, to the seventh year, where we allow the entire land to rest. We call it Shabbos Hashem. It's a resting for God. And this is the work that we have to do every Shabbos. We have to re-identify ourselves. Our problem is that we identify ourselves physically. Let's try a little experiment. Who would you be without your house? Who would you be without your hometown? Who are you without your friends? Who are you without your parents? Who are you without your body? Who would you be if you weren't physical? After 120 years, you're not going to be physical. But if you re-identify yourself now with your spiritual self, with your soul, like you're an angel, connecting to your higher self, and you build it up, you're building your next world. And all this world is here as a gift to help you build this next world. For the next world comes out of this world. By properly treating this world, by putting everything in its right place, and really knowing who you are, what your place is, you are building your next world. And not only that, but the pleasure that you get from this world is so much greater. Rav Pincus brings a story about some kids who are very loud and boisterous. And in our generation, you see kids outside screaming and yelling, and his son, who was a little boy, asked him, why are they screaming and yelling and laughing and laughing and, and they're happy? He says, you know why they're doing that? Because they're not really happy. So they have to make a false happiness. But a person who knows his place, he could appreciate all the gifts that God gives him. He has such a happiness, he doesn't know what to do with it. And that's Shabbos. That's the eating and drinking that we do on Shabbos. And Shabbos is a real connection with God. So I'm going to bring a powerful parable also about Shabbos. So it's like this in the Midrash. Once there was a king who had a dear friend. He told his friend, ask for a precious gift and I will grant it to you. The friend was very clever. He said to himself, if I ask him to make me a governor or a duke, that's all I'll get. 
Rather, I will ask for the thing that everything else comes along with it. He said to the king, my master, since you have granted me the opportunity to ask something special of you, I will ask you to give me your daughter in marriage, and I will be your son-in-law. The king replied, by your life, so I will do. That was the mashal. What's the nimshal? Shabbos. Shabbos is the thing that gets us the closest to God. Shabbos puts us in God's family. And once we're in the family, we have the Makor Bracha, the blessings of Shabbos, which is the source of all blessings of the world. And we will have all the blessings of the Torah if we keep the Shabbos. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Now, Rev. Victor Miller brings another commandment of marriage. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even though that's a Torah commandment, it happens to also be a commandment of marriage. We know there's a Gemara that says a man cannot marry a woman that he did not see. That's why at every chuppah you go up and you raise the veil from the woman that the man should see which kind of woman, what woman, who is he marrying. Why is that? I uh, say so you think it's for the man. He doesn't want to get stuck with an ugly woman. No, it's for the woman. Why? Because if later he sees her and he doesn't like her, can you imagine how she's going to feel? And this is under the commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. Not to hurt your wife's feelings. He brings down here. This is unbelievable. He says, if a mitzvah is done many, many times, it becomes bigger and bigger. You can get more reward for it. But, but Rabbeinu Yonah brings the opposite also. He says in Shari Tshuva, if a man transgresses a mitzvah, ase, a positive commandment, he just doesn't do the positive. He doesn't go daven, for example, a number of times. It becomes so serious that it becomes like a sin of cutting off. He gets chorus. It's a very serious punishment. He gets cut off the next world. He says, for example, if somebody doesn't say Shema every night, he doesn't say it properly, and he does it over and over and over again, he has the same law by him, according to Rabbeinu Yonah, like Mechal Shabbos, or like he killed somebody or idol worship. Because why, Chazal explains, if you have thin little pieces of uh, rope, if you put them all together, it makes a big thick rope. That's how rope is made out of small pieces. The same thing, if you transgress over and over and over and over again, you're going to wind up with a big thick rope. How does that have to do with marriage? Marriage is daily contact. Marriage has to do with day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year, dealing with each other. If you transgress against each other, it's going to come out to be a big mess in the end. He says a person should never say, I hate my wife, I hate my husband. He shouldn't hold it in his heart. The negative commandment says you should not hate your brother in your heart. Well, the more so your wife or your husband. And if it goes on for years and years, that thin little thread turns into a big thick rope. On the other hand, you have a daily obligation. If you love your wife as you love yourself, every day you're getting under the mitzvah. You have to make up your mind that you're going to love your wife, your husband, no matter what. It's an unbelievable idea. The world doesn't understand this. You have to make a decision that you're going to love your husband or you are going to love your wife. You decide what to feel. And you do it. Because it will take you far. He says, no matter what, you're going to love your spouse. And you should always say please. And you should always say thank you. And you have to always be nice. Even if you're not obligated, they give you something that they were obligated to give you. For example, he says the wife uh, asked the husband to go buy the kid's shoes. So she says, thank you. He's obligated to buy those kids' shoes. But thank you helps. So the commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your spouse as you would love yourself. That's it for this week's Higher Life Podcast. Please share it with your friends and please leave comments on the blog. And make sure you have a great Shabbos.
Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments. 